Welcome to Denim Wrapped Nightmares, Tipsy Exchange Podcast, where we explore the Supernatural series episode by episode. Over drinks, we'll discuss the lore, the gore, and what we adore about the Winchesters and their adventures. I'm Burley, and I'm a new fan of the series. I'm LA, and I'm here along for the ride. Now let's get tipsy. Hello, LA. Hello, Burley. Last episode was Bad Day at Black Rock. The boys got a call on their old cell phone. Somebody had broken into Dad's storage. They found a, um, what did they call them? Or mm. what was on them? Cursed. Sigils. That's it. Yeah, okay. they had like boxes for cursed items and sigils <sighs> okay. to like protect them and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Okay. They find that one of the cursed boxes was stolen from this storage unit. And they end up finding the people who took it. It was a rabbit's foot. Lots of good luck and bad luck happened to both of them, but at the end of the day, they had to destroy the rabbit's foot with the help of Bobby, and that was that. We also met Bella. Yeah. I like her. Yeah. I'm sure we'll see her again. Well, today's episode is Sin City, Mm -hmm. and it is the fourth episode of season three, originally premiered on October 25th, 2007, when the episode opens up. At first, I thought there was like a chemistry project going on, (laughs) but then I saw the pieces of the gun. So Bobby is working on the cult and Dean is helping him. They're trying to figure out if they can fix it, how it worked in the first place. There's some playful father-son banter, like giving their old man a hard time trying to figure out the gun. Mm -hmm. Sam mentions that they have some more omens, some signs in a place called Elizabethville, Ohio. He mentions that it's the you know greatest lead we've had since Lincoln, which I think is odd. There's supposedly this war going on, all these demons busted out of nowhere. Like, what are they doing? Why don't they have signs coming at them from every direction? All these demons doing, like, what, what, what's happening? What are they doing? What are they waiting for? They're keeping it low key. I guess so. So Sam and Dean decide, well, we're going to go check it out. And Bobby stays behind to keep working on the gun. But he tells them before they go, like, you let me know if you need anything. If anything comes up, you call me. And they're both just like, okay, daddy. (laughs) They show up to this church, which which I forgot the church scene that happened before Supernatural. (laughs) We see this nun walking. She's putting out Bibles in each of the aisles. And this like gust of wind blows out some candles. And then the preacher comes in to come and check on her. Like, I wouldn't hit it, but he was handsome. Yeah, you did say that. He had a nice face. He seemed kind. But in hindsight, that gust of wind that happened as he was entering was a sign that something was up. So he and the nun are talking. And then some guy on, like, the second story where there's some more aisles that look over. He's up there. I think it's where the organ is. He blew his organ all oh, over the okay. wall. I know. Yeah, I was not expect. I was like, oh, that happened. Yeah. Wow, okay. He was like, oh, father, oh, I can't. And pulled out a gun and uh, put it to use on his head. The nun screamed and then it went supernatural. <laughs> then we had the chemistry set. So Sam and Dean have headed out for Ohio and they're at the church talking with Father Gill, the handsome father about what had happened if Andy the guy who took his own life his name was Andy like what was going on there if anything was wrong Sam even asks 
you know, sounds like he was almost possessed beforehand because for all these deaths that have happened in this town, people have acted really erratically and not like themselves before disaster strikes, you know, either a suicide or something else happens to where they take their life. And the father was like, yeah, I guess you could have said that. So they were pretending to be insurance agents talking to the father about all this. Then they head into town, which it's supposed to be, quote, a half-dead factory town in the Rust Belt. But it had more of like a 6th Street or a Bourbon Street vibe because of one bar. (laughs) It was hopping. (laughs) It was a hopping bar. There are women walking around, scantily clad, sitting in cars, like telling people, ooh, come, come talk to me. Uh, at this one bar where apparently everybody in town gathers to go blow off steam and gamble and party and prostitute and all all the good things, all the good, <laughs> wonderful things. I was going to say where all the naughty things happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they're, they're having a good time at this one bar on this like main street in this small factory town. After they're looking at this, they just kind of think, OK, these are just people blowing off steam, whatever. And they go check into their hotel. As they're walking into their hotel room, it's a hotel, not a motel. The room across the hall, the door opens and this guy steps out and Dean turns around and goes, Richie. So it's somebody they know. And it happens to be another hunter who was uh, sampling the local services from (laughs) (laughs) one of the workers who we're guessing he met at the bar. He jokes and says, oh, yeah, it's my sister Cheryl. Oh, yeah, she's got the devil in her, but she's not possessed, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Like, he's a real big character. It just, it goes along with the campy vibe that we're having this season, this Richie character. Yeah. Turns out, Dean knows Richie because they worked a case together while Sam was away at school. So Sam doesn't really know Richie, but Dean does. And Richie is telling them that, you know, he's been there. You know, these people who have died, maybe they were possessed, maybe they weren't. He's kind of at a stalemate is that the word i'm looking for yeah with it because you know he can't prove they were possessed he doesn't know so they start trying to think okay is there somebody else in town who could potentially be the next victim if we're going to move forward assuming this is a demon who's taking all these bodies out on a joyride like taking them out having them do a bunch of bad things and then killing them getting rid of them and going on to the next body and richie mentions this guy trotter who apparently owns the bar is at the center of all this debauchery that's been happening in the town they all decide to go to the bar check it out look more into trotter see what's going on there while they're there dean notices the bartender she's a very sultry brunette very pretty and he said you could fit that ass on a nickel which i've never heard before what does that mean get it so dean was wanting to hit on the bartender and richie mentioned that he and the bartender had plans later as he took off to go to the bathroom and Dean is no way Richie pulled a girl like that. And that's when he said it, he was like, no way he could get a girl with that. Look at that. You could fit that ass on a nickel. And then father Gill is at the bar and turns around. Oh, he didn't like that. And was like, Oh, hello. I knew you guys would end up here. Like everybody always ends up here. (laughs) Sounds like it's the only place to go. Right. (laughs) So they have a little bit of a conversation. Uh, The there's the father is talking to, the bartender and she's saying something about how the clergy get to work for for drink for free. And he says, you know, I better see your ass in church on Sunday, nickel or not. I'm like, what is this saying? What is this nickel thing? What does it mean? 
Is it good? My ass doesn't fit on a nickel. My it's, ass barely fits on the toilet seat. It doesn't look like it's like a real saying. I think it's from the show. It's like in uh, Horrible Bosses whenever Jason Sudeikis says, like, I'd like to bend her over a barrel and show her the 50 states. And the other guy goes, that's not a saying. And Jason Sudeikis looks at the camera and goes, it is now. <laughs> so I guess it's a saying now. It makes no damn sense. <laughs> but all right. So Sam and Dean are looking at Trotter and they happen to notice this really distressed looking guy come in. Like he looks all sweaty. He kind of looks sickly. He's not doing well. And Sam notices the guy has a gun. Unfortunately, they notice it just a little too late because the guy goes in and I can't remember the other guy's name, but he says the guy's name and is like, hey, blah, 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 and shoots him. And Sam and Dean tackle him down, save the day. Of course. While Arno- Dean tackles him and Sam is right there with holy water and like splashes holy water on the guy. And the guy's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> so he's not possessed. He's just really upset because the guy he just shot was sleeping with his wife. Cops come in. They're talking to Sam and Dean, thanking them for saving the day, saying that, oh, yeah, we have like the journalist is here and the photographer. We're going to get your picture for the paper, you know, feature the heroes of the day. So Sam and Dean are like, OK, yeah, it's time for us to get the fuck out of here because you know, they're hunters. They don't want to leave any sign that they were ever at someplace. And that's when Dean notices Richie's nowhere to be found. Cut to Richie and the bartender pulling up in front of, I don't even know what this place was supposed to be. Like Richie says, how does a you know bartender have like a really nice place like this? And I think she said her grandma left it to her. But what the fuck was it? Was it a house? Was it a mausoleum? <laughs> it was covered in a bunch of foliage. So you never really got a very good look at it. But there were statues outside. I was hmm. just like, what is this place? It was multiple stories, though. I think it was two stories. Like an estate. But we never saw the inside of whatever it was. All we saw was that they go in and they're walking down these stairs to a creepy fucking basement. And there's barrels down there. So I'm like, did they make their own liquor? Like, what is this place? I, I, I still don't know. We never find out what the fuck this place is. But it was apparently really nice, and her grandma left it to her. (laughs) So she leads Richie down these stairs, and Richie should have listened to his intuition. He knew something was wrong. He starts saying, hey, like, are you sure you wouldn't want to go back to my hotel room instead? Like, I got some oils and stuff up there. Like, this could be fun. But she's like, well, I have toys. And she keeps walking down the stairs. And so Richie's like, okay, toys trump oil. I guess we're staying here. So he goes running down really excitedly. And then they're in the creepy basement and she's like lighting candles and shit. And it's got a very ritualistic vibe in the creepy basement with the barrels and the candles and all that. So Richie, I think he mentioned something about maybe leaving again or something like that. You know, aren't, don't you like get scared here by yourself or something like that? And she's like, I have no reason to be scared when I have a hunter here to protect me. And then she spins his head around Oh, God, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I was not expecting that. I was expecting him to die because yeah. he was too big of a character. People were going to like him too much. And we learned, I think, in season two that they straight up said, if you like a character, we're going to kill him. So I was like, Richie's going to die. He's made me laugh too many times. They're going to kill him off before the end of the episode, more than likely. But yeah, to see his head do a complete 360, well, not a 360, a 180. Mm-hmm. They're using that special effects department again, man, putting them to work. And she's got like black eyes. She flashes her black eyes at him before she breaks his neck and kills him. She's a demon. She's possessed. 
And she apparently just left his body down there, like stuck in a closet or something. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Which we'll, I'll, I'll tell you why I know that later. Okay. We see Bobby and he's testing out the cult. He's got it at least shooting bullets, but it's magical, you know, supernatural properties. He hasn't quite gotten those working just yet. And that cocky little bitch Ruby shows up mm-hmm. and taunts Bobby. But she also does offer to help Bobby get the cult working again. So I guess we'll take it. But yeah, I just don't like her. She's, she's like, she, she kind of has to like insult you yeah. a little before she like is semi nice to you. Like I wouldn't enjoy her company. Even, yeah. even if she was being helpful, it's like, it's just the conceited cockiness behind it. Yeah. I don't like her so far. But you were saying maybe she'll grow on me, but I don't know. She doesn't seem to be <laughs> changing at all. We know she's a demon. So whatever. Maybe we're not supposed to like her. Anywho, while Bobby and Ruby are working to fix the cult, Dean is still trying to find Richie. And Sam has gone to Trotter's office to try and do some investigating. He's broken into the office. But unfortunately, you know, Trotter is there with like security guards and stuff. And Sam manages to get in a position to splash some holy water on Trotter too. But uh, Sam's 0 for 2 on the holy water test. Trotter is not possessed. He's not a demon. So Sam just has to get the fuck out of there before he gets his <laughs> ass beat by these security guard guys. You'd feel so stupid. Like, you're like, oh, throwing it on somebody. And like, you're like, yeah. And then it's like, oh, no. My bad. This is awkward. I just, I just got you a little wet. Excuse me. I'm just going to go now. Okay, thanks. Like, he like takes the gun, like unloads. And is like, okay. Like, I'm sorry. Turns out that Dean was uh, hooking up with Casey, or so she thought. He follows Casey back to her mansion. Her lair. Mos- <laughs> yeah, her lair. <laughs> Which all these men just walk into willingly. It's like, and I'm just imagining, like, is it a really nice house? And you walk through the really nice house, and it's like, come on, come down with me to my basement. Like, no red flags going off for the there, fellas. She, she's like just that hot that they're like, okay. <laughs> well, you can fit her ass on a nickel. Yeah. So I guess that's got to be what make, makes it all worthwhile. So Dean's going down to the basement. Once they get down there, she goes to like some closet, some storage area thing that's in the basement. And she's looking very menacing, making like these evil little facial expressions and Dean says, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, I found Richie and I gave him a proper burial. So that's where I was like, oh, my God, she just twisted his head around and left him down there. God, Jesus. Ruthless bitch. (laughs) So she turns around and is like, oh, so you're a hunter. And she kind of charges at Dean and we see her kind of get whipped back like Nicole Kidman in Practical Magic whenever she tries to run. And like, oh, yeah, you know what I mean? That's the first time. I've seen something like that happen with a devil's trap where it like showed the person kind of get pushed back into, into the devil's trap. And it turns out that under her fancy oriental rug in her creepy fucking basement, Dean had chalked out a devil's trap. So she's stuck. 
Dean tries to exercise her and she shows off a little bit to be like, oh, well, I'm a fancy demon. And she closes her eyes. And I liked the special effects on all this. There's like a chandelier in her basement that's spinning. There's wind everywhere. The candles are flickering. And Dean's Bible, where he was reading the exorcism from, I I think it's a Bible, gets fucked up. Pages get torn out of it. The book goes flying across the room. And poor Dean, he just (laughs) hasn't memorized that shit yet. There's, they don't deal with demons that often yet, L.A. I get of, it. I get it. I mean, come on. So she taunts him a little bit like, oh, yeah, try, try and exercise me with your without your fancy little book. And he just can't do it. Dean says something about like the Calvary is going to arrive or something, something along those lines. And she lets him know that she's got some Calvary as well. So we'll just see who shows up first. In the meantime, Sam has shown up at the bar and has talked to this sassy little bit bartender whose ass does not fit on a nickel, I don't think. (laughs) But I loved him nonetheless. He's telling the bartender, hey, you know, my brother was here. You probably saw him with me. I I think he probably went somewhere with the other bartender. Will you tell me where she lives? And he's like, who do you think I am? That I'm just going to give you somebody's address so you can go get your jollies off? And then Sam slips him some money. And he's like, oh, it's at such and such. (laughs) (laughs) So Sam goes and checks out the apartment for the bartender. Her name's Casey. He finds sulfur in her apartment and it doesn't look like anybody's been there for a while. So Sam's like, oh, fuck. Let me call Bobby and tell him what's going on. So he lets Bobby know we have confirmation that there's demons here. Like my holy water hasn't been working on anybody, but I found some sulfur. Daddy Bobby, get your ass here. He goes back to the bar and asks sassy bartender if there's somebody somewhere else that they could be because he couldn't find them. And Father Gill is there and he happens to hear them. And he says that he's known Casey ever since she was a little girl. And if Casey is possibly in trouble, that he wants to help and that he thinks he knows where they could possibly be. So he and Sam go to the lair. I still don't want to. I want to know what that was supposed to be. I just don't know. So they show up to the lair. In the meantime, Dean and Demon Casey are talking back and forth. They're kind of having a philosophical conversation almost about whether demons are that much worse than humans. And I couldn't help thinking about the line Dean said back in The Benders in season one, where he said, demons I get, it's people that are crazy. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what Demon Casey was saying. Yeah. She was like, the body count you guys have racked up over the past century? Like, you fucking kidding me? And she was pointing out a bunch of things. So, Dean and Casey kind of got to this point through this discussion where they were almost seeing eye to eye. Yeah. It was interesting. I liked that dynamic. It was subtle and simple. It was literally just them talking. No special effects, no craziness going on. But it was probably one of my favorite parts of the episode was the Mm -hmm. two of them just kind of having this conversation. The other thing that they talk about is that it's not the whole town that's possessed. She just talked to Trotter and pointed out to him that there was an opportunity here to make some money by doing, you know, raising some hell, doing some debauched things. And Trotter jumped on it, opened the bar and made all these opportunities available. And the people came running. Yeah. She also disclosed that Yellow Eyes has a name and that's Azazel. So now that his character is dead, we know we have a name. I'm wondering, you know, is that going to be something important? I don't I don't know. She said that, you know, all the demons 
they don't really know what they're supposed to be doing right now. Sam was supposed to lead them and he's not doing that. He's not stepping up to the plate and that all the demons believe in a higher power, Lucifer. That's whenever they kind of have more of the philosophical conversation that I really enjoyed. Casey and Dean get interrupted. Sam is coming over. He's found there's like a weird grated window thing Mm -hmm. that goes down into the basement in the lair. And Dean lets Sam know that the doorway caved in when she did her fancy magic earlier. And so they're stuck down there and he needs help. Sam lets him know that Father Gill is with him. And Casey's kind of like, oh, (laughs) Dean tells Sam to be careful. So that clues Sam in. And as he comes around the corner and Father Gill is standing there and about to do something, Bobby all of a sudden shows up out of nowhere, takes a shot, unfortunately misses, hits one of the fancy statues instead. And Father Gill like tosses Bobby like a sack of potatoes. He goes flying. I was worried about him. I was too. I was like, no. (laughs) Ruby is there also whenever Sam's like, how did you find me? It's like, go help Dean. She says something stupid. They get downstairs. They move the rubble that's blocking the basement somehow very easily. Oh, I guess the demon did it. Demon father did it. And he's like super strength, super strength and magical. So he's able to move it quickly. And he gets down there and he goes over and like makes out with Casey. And Dean's just like, oh, my God, you too. And she's like, "Mm, yeah. And they've apparently been lovers for centuries. Just making out down in hell. I mean, what else are you going to do? I do not know. You know, may as well. Sam comes running downstairs. And shoots Father Gill. And he does a very dramatic, like, kind of death as he's, like, flashing red and all of this stuff. And he dies. I thought it was interesting that Father was going to kill Dean. And Casey stopped him. Mm -hmm. She was like, no, wait, don't. And that's what gave Sam the window to take him out. And then Sam turns the gun to point at Casey. And Dean now goes, Sam, wait, don't. And again, it's because Sam, Dean and Casey... I don't want to say they came to an understanding, but like, like a little mutual respect. Uh, yeah. 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 Like where he kind of understood where she was coming from. And yeah. I think that's interesting to start seeing that it's not always black and white, you know, and that I'm, I'm hoping that's going to start. We're going to start seeing that more and more. Maybe. I don't know. But Sam doesn't listen to Dean. He kills Casey. Mm. And they do this shot of the romantic lovers laying in the. Oh. devil's trap like almost holding hands but not quite yeah blood everywhere <laughs> this is so romantic dean looks a little concerned yeah whenever this happens and we find out later that what azazel because we have a name now had said to him way back in the season two finale about are you sure that what you brought back was sam uh, that's something that's bothering him because mm. he's seen Sam do something and have just this cold expression on his face more than once now. Like he shot Jake multiple times in the season finale and now he's just gunned down these two people. No problem. You know, he he didn't try to exercise them. He just shot them, killed them. And Dean is expressing all of this with Bobby while Sam and Ruby are talking in their hotel room. And Sam's kind of expressing that. Like, I know I didn't just kill two demons. I just killed two people as well. Ruby basically tells him, well, you're going to have to keep doing shit that you don't want to do. Sorry. He's like, well, I don't want to have to like it. And she's like, well, you wouldn't be Sam if you didn't (laughs) or something stupid. (laughs) He's up on old Ruby. 
Sam grabs the colt and threatens to kill Ruby right then and there, but then she reminds him that she can help get Dean out of his deal. And even though Sam is suspicious as to whether or not she's really going to be able to do that, like he calls her on it, you keep dangling that in front of me, but nothing's happened yet. He's he's still destined for hell at this point. What the fuck? Uh, he doesn't want to risk the potential that maybe she could actually help. Yeah. And she's not willing to give him any information about why she's helping him instead of helping the other demons. She's like, I don't have to tell you. I don't remember what she said. I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure we shall see. That's pretty much where the episode ends. Uh, This episode was written by Robert Singer and Jeremy Carver. So there were two writers for it. It was directed by Charles Beeson, who also directed Playthings and Roadkill in season two. Oh, nice. That's all I got. Well, I got some lore. Well, what? let's talk about what we... Well, I already oh. said what I adore. Did you adore anything about this episode? <laughs> I don't think um, I don't think you're going to be a fan of season three if they keep on with the camp, kind yeah. of. You're not big on camp. Richie was kind of fun. I liked Richie. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I adore him, but he was he was fun. He was a fun character. Yeah, yeah. So sorry, sorry. I would you guess short lived. I know. I was gonna say I guess the goriest thing to happen, which I don't know if it would really be gore, but his head getting spun around. Yeah, it's pretty. And then it the, was pretty graphic the two at the end. Yeah. Dead. And poor Bobby going flying. That wasn't gore. That just made our hearts stop for a second. <laughs> we we did not like that. Just didn't like it. Leave Bobby alone. What's the lore? So the lore is on succubuses. Succubus. Succubi? Succubuses. Succubus. I don't know. <laughs> but um, a succubus is a demon or supernatural entity in folklore in female form that appears in dreams to seduce men, usually through sexual activity, it says. Ah. Oh. According to religious tradition, a succubus needs semen to survive. Oh. Repeated sexual activity with a succubus will result in a bond being formed between the succubus and the man. And a succubus cannot drain or harm the man with whom she is having intercourse. In modern representations, a succubus is often depicted as a beautiful seductress or enchantress rather than a demonic or frightening entity. And the male counterpart to the succubus is the incubus. Which I don't know why I never knew that since I love incubus. You the band. The band. Yeah, that's what I was saying. And I'm say. like, when I, when I was reading this, I was like, oh my God, I'm, a, I'm an idiot. No wonder that lead singer had all of you guys in a tizzy back then when Ugh. we were in our early 20s. Ugh. He's so hot. What's his name? Brandon? Brandon Boyd. Yeah. <laughs> Still looks good. That um, incubus. Does he need to live off a of semen? Not Brandon Boyd, but an, an incubus? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think so. What no. do they live off of? Well, I was... Hold on. <laughs> Many anthropologists and psychologists believe that the explanation of a succubus and incubus um, to be supernatural explanations for sleep paralysis and hypnagogic and hypnopompic hallucinations. Now... Hypnagogic is relating to the state immediately before falling asleep, and hypnopompic is related to the state immediately preceding waking up. So it's succubus and incubus who keep giving me exploding head syndrome? I guess so, yeah. (gasps) Those fuckers. They make me jump. They make me hear bangs and noises that aren't real. Mm. Yeah, they're they're, they're there for you. 
You don't it's because it's because I don't have semen. So they're That's like, true. we yeah. can't really use her for anything, but she looks like she's getting comfortable and falling into a deep sleep. So let's fuck that up just for fun. Um, okay. Well, the term derives from late Latin succu- succuba, which is paramar, paramore. I can't. This is another the, band. This is going to be like real tough with some of these <laughs> names. So just bear with me. Okay. So the Latin succuba. Paramore. Yeah, this is weird. The suc- succubare, which is to lie beneath, and sub is under, and cubare is lie. So lie, under, lie, lie. Yeah, there you go. Anywho, <laughs> it's used to describe this being's implied sexual position relative to the sleeper's position. The English word succubus dates from the late 14th century, and the succubus is also known as the Earth Wanderer. Ooh. Uh, in Jewish, Jewish... That would be a good band name. What? Earth Wanderer? Yeah. yeah. I like that. Well, in Jewish mystical treaties, Zohar and the medieval Jewish satirical text, Alphabet of Ben Sira, Lilith was Adam's first wife, who later became a succubus. She left Adam and refused to return to the Garden of Eden after she was mated with the archangel Samael. In Zoharistic Kabbalah, there were four succubi who mated with the archangel Samael. So he's got it going on. He's got that good semen. That that grade A semen. (laughs) Angels. Archangel semen. Archangel semen. Mm -hmm. I just lost my fucking place. Okay. All right. Back on it. Uh, now, these four original queens of the demons, they say, were Lilith, Aisheth, Zenum, Zenumnin, nope, Zenunim, Agratbat Mahlat, and Nam, Nama, Nama. More band names. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, a succubus, according to this, a succubus may take a form of a beautiful young girl. But closer inspection may reveal deformities of her body, such as bird-like claws or serpentine serpentine tails. Or an ass that could fit on a nickel. Maybe. <laughs> it's not in here, but maybe. Folklore also describes the act of cunnilingus on their vulvas, which drip with urine and other fluids. <laughs> in later fo- folklore, a succubus took the form of a siren. Wait, what's the cunnilingus about? You just said there's folklore That's about just, it. It said there's folklore that describes that they're into the act of cunnilingus on their vulvas. Who's not? Which drip with urine and other fluids. <laughs> I don't know. That's all it said. I didn't really <laughs> dive deep into that one. But throughout history, priests and rabbis, including Hanina Bendosa and Abayi, Abayi, Tried to curb the power of the succubi over humans. However, not all succubi were malevolent. According to Walter Mapp, is that a real name? In the satire De Nugis Curly Elium, Trifles of Courtiers, Pope Sylvester II was allegedly involved with a succubus named Meridina. No. Okay. Meridiana. Meridiana. Mary Diana. Mary Diana. Okay, yeah. Who helped him achieve his highest rank in the Catholic Church. But before his death, he confessed of his sins and died repentant. So 
he had his fun with the succubus, but he he repented. So he fed her some no semen. He got some cunnilingus. Mm. Maybe some urine was in there at some point. I think and she then got the cunnilingus. Like, yeah, she got the cunnilingus. Yeah. And she got the semen. Yeah, so she's she's really winning. In she this. was winning, and yeah. then he was like, "Oh, I repent." Yeah, sorry about that. Well, deuces, I'm out. <laughs> That's what he said. I just snort, sniff snorted. <laughs> So, I'm yeah, so that's a little succubus oh, lore for some you. Some snot came out of my Goodness. nose a little bit. I need a tissue. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, to close it out, we have a quote. Can you guess what it is? No. Oh. Yep. <laughs> you could fit that ass on a nickel. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Denim Wrapped Nightmares. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram, leave a review, and let us know how we can get involved in the fandom. This was fun. Jerk. It always is, bitch.